0: Welcome to this wonderful call-in that we are hosting. So excited to be joined by everyone. Um, Make sure that you guys uh, share this room so people know about it. Just tweeting it out right now. Um, Very excited to start the show. All right, Aaron, should we start it up? Yeah. All right, start it up. We got our first caller, Pedro. Pedro.
1: <clears throat> uh, good morning, Katie and Aaron. Uh, good morning. So, uh, good morning. Uh, so I have a question for each one of you. Uh, so some people are organizing a protest in Washington, D.C. Uh, on October 8th uh, about the journalist Julian Assange. So my question is, I was wondering if any of you will be there.
2: Um I am going to try. I don't know if I can make it yet, but yes, I would
1: like to go, for what sure. About you? What about you, Katie?
0: Same. I'm gonna. I may not be able to, but I'm gonna try.
1: Okay, that's all. Thank you. Uh, or, uh, I, I was just listening to the to your YouTube show, and since I'm here talking, you, you spoke about Jamie Raskin. I Actually, like Jamie Raskin, uh, so I think it's, I think they are doing a good job on the January sixth investigation. So I think he's a brilliant uh, co- constitutionalist. He understands the Constitution. His father was actually involved in the Pentagon Papers. I don't know if you know Oh, that, I didn't but... know that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. That's all I have, I have to say. Have a good day.
2: You too. Thank you.
1: Okay.
0: okay.
2: Well, um, our All common right. audience is getting used to this new time slot, so
0: Yeah, we're so, still you guys are still the phone adjusting lines, its drawing panes. Uh, the they're not lines, ringing they're, off the hook. So yeah, they're, the not they're not oh,
2: jammed. Oh, but you know what?
0: Yeah. Seeking you shall find. We got Andrew and Albert. Yeah. Andrew, welcome. We got three eight. We got Triple A and Albert Anthony. I and I Amanda, figured, we got uh, our uh, new boy. Wow. Yeah, it
3: looks like the line got big quick, so I'll just I was I'm just calling sorry. in because you didn't have anybody, but oh, uh Katie, what do you think about this term MAGA communism? Have you heard of it from Jackson Hangle?
0: Yeah, I haven't really looked into it that deeply. Me either. But I'm interested in recruiting people from MAGA to communism, not people being both.
3: Yeah, I think the interesting thing to me is the negative reaction it's gotten. Um, I understand if it doesn't click with you or something, but there seems to be like pushback against it, like it's I don't know, some kind of like psychological operation or something I don't know. It's like people well, I think don't people like think the it, term for some reason.
0: Well, I think it's not just the term. I think people think it's a dangerous proposition.
3: Right. Like Yeah, they, is, they don't like the mission.
0: Yeah. Which I think is fair because what what is MAGA communism? In? I mean, is that there's a lot of people you could argue I I could argue that MAGA communism is fascism.
3: Sure. Yeah, it all depends how it's defined. Uh, I just wondered how you thought about that since no one was uh, calling in, But I'll move on since you have a lot of callers. Thank you.
0: Thanks.
2: Andrew, thank you. You are a pioneer. Uh, the, the queue was empty and then you came in and then look, look how many people we have now. So thank as you. As
0: goes as goes Andrew, so goes the country.
2: That's right. Thank you for your service. Okay. Thank uh, you for your service. Anthony.
4: Updated the app, but still a couple bugs. It's all good, though. Great to be on call, and it, uh, it feels earlier than it is, just or, I don't know, seems later in the day or something because of the time. I don't know. I feel like it should
2: be 10 a.m. I know.
0: We're,
2: it's very confusing. Uh, It's very confusing. This is going to screw up everyone's week, and we we apologize for that.
0: It's gonna, um, yeah, it's going to be like a
2: space-time <laughs> continuum. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. We'll We'll
4: get through it, you know. But all the terrible mainstream media, that's what we saw. And you had that horrible cokehead Zelensky stealing all our money and killing people and doing whatever else he's doing. And um, the media, yeah, they're pretty deferential to him. I I don't know how he has a lot of time for media appearances being in a war zone.
2: That's crazy. He's doing uh, media hits. He's doing award shows. He's doing graduations. He's doing uh, bar mitzvahs probably next. I mean. He he's a very in-demand speaker. Yes,
0: Don't forget
2: was. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he. It's crazy. Um, and uh, it is. You know, it's such a. It's ridiculous, like the gap between how he's publicly perceived and what he's actually done, and um, you know, I think. Uh, Personally, I think he'll be rewarded for it. I do think, if I'm betting, I think after this is over, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, I, I, I shouldn't speculate. You're not. I kidding. would. I would I, I'm not a gambling man. I wouldn't be surprised if he's handsomely rewarded with a cushy exile somewhere after all this. But we'll see. Um, maybe he has more uh, principles than I give him credit for. But uh, anyway, it's 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 crazy how how he's treated as a voice of authority. In U.S. media, even though he's advocating policies that are increasing uh, a very da- the, like the threat of a very dangerous war.
4: Yeah, well, you know who's really bad about that is uh, NPR, and uh, I don't know. Maybe you, you could expand the format a little. That'd be kind of hard to incorporate them, but every hour uh, news report of theirs starts with the Ukraine Foreign Ministry says, the Ukraine Defense Ministry says. It's like, okay, <laughs> thanks. All right. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, NPR is quite the piece of work. I never listen to it, uh, but everything I hear is just—it's uh, there's no independent thought from what it sounds like. Okay. Thank you, uh, Veronica. Heather, Can you
5: hear me? Yeah. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm a huge fan of both of you. I, I I follow both of you extensively. This is really cool to be talking and you, engaging you like this. Um, I was wondering if either of you ha- were aware of, or if you'd looked into the um the troubled teen industry and uh, the the grassroots efforts that um uh from a lot of uh survivor communities. I'm I'm part of the survivor community. I was sent into the industry as a teenager. Um, there's a a huge push uh, to um, reform the industry. There's a bill that's about to be introduced into Congress called the Stop Institutional Child Abuse Act, that would uh, potentially uh, impose federal regulations and oversight on the industry. And there's also uh, independent pushes for like certain of uh, certain facilities to be shut down uh, following like rampant uh, allegations of abuse, et cetera. Um, I was just wondering if either of you had looked into the industry or, or if you're aware of the industry
0: sorry which industry
5: um it's called the troubled teen industry but the the official term for it is the congregate care industry um but uh there's been a it's been in the news a lot uh recently especially um specifically one school called agape boarding school it's in stockton missouri and there's a there's been a huge push uh to get the school to get to be shut down um, there's even been federal investigations into the into the school. Uh, the attorney general, Eric Schmidt, um, he's been under a lot of pressure to take action against the school, but uh, we, the, we 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 keep getting a, a runaround in the court system and in the, in the legal system. Um, the the judge that's presiding over the case right now to potentially close down the school uh, is is pretty much stalling the case. Uh, it, it, um, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of vested interest in like within the industry. Uh, there's a lot of uh special interest ties to it that are that are wide-reaching, and it it's. Uh, the, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not really verbalizing this very well. I'm I'm really nervous explaining this. Um,
2: well, Veronica, if you're open to it, if I could ask you, are you um willing to tell us a bit about your experience having gone through that system?
5: Yeah, definitely. Um. I was sent to um, a boot camp, a, a behavior modification boot camp in the high Utah desert uh, when I was 15 years old. The boot camp I was sent to is called Outback uh, Therapeutic Expeditions, um, and it's owned by Bain Capital. It's owned by Aspen Education Group, which is owned by Bain Capital. Um, Mitt Romney was actually still the CEO of Bain Capital when I was there wow. in
2: 2012.
5: Wow. Um, the, uh, private equity is heavily tied into this industry, um, and many members of the GOP are are heavily tied into the industry. Mainly the Bush family, um, through uh, t- they're t- they're mainly tied to a program called Teen Challenge or Global Teen Challenge, which is operated by the Evangelical Church through the Pentecostal World Assemblies of God. Um, uh, Mike Pence is also heavily tied into the industry, mainly to a facility called Crosswinds. Um, uh, there, there are tons and tons of extensive ties to this industry going back decades, even to like the Reagan administration. Um, and there, there are also um, people involved in the industry that were part of Donald Trump's administration too, uh, mainly uh, Mel Sembler. He's a major GOP donor. Um, and he was the founder of Straight Inc., which is a gay conversion program that operated for 17 years until it was closed after like six-figure lawsuits against it. Um, but he basically turned his focus from operating this camp. he uh, became really close friends with the Reagans. And he was also uh one of the main influences of Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign. Um, so yeah I was I was just wondering if uh if either of you were aware of the industry and if you'd looked into it. Um, it doesn't get a lot of coverage. Um, yeah. And any, any coverage that it does get, it's really just sensationalized coverage. Um, yep. but like like talk show TV also kind of like acts as like this arm of a, of like, like a marketing for it. The Dr. Phil show specifically, he sent dozens of children into the industry. Even the, one of the girls in the camp that I was in was sent there by the Dr. Phil show. Um, wow. Wow.
2: Wow. You know, I've definitely heard of this. I haven't looked into it. But uh, and I didn't know that about the, you know, financial interests tying back to people like Mitt Romney. That's really fascinating. Yeah, that's so insane. thank you for this. The, um, uh, we'll definitely look into it. And if you have any, you know, uh, like recommended resources uh, to learn more about this, um, please please yeah, let us know. Okay. Is there anything that, that, that you can recommend?
5: Yeah. So um, the Private Equity Stakeholder Project just recently came out with a, a really huge study about um, the way that private equity is involved in the deregulation of behavioral health and how that that has tied into the troubled teen industry. Um, In addition, I'm also a a, a volunteer with a nonprofit called Unsilenced, um, which is a a nonprofit mainly made up of survivors of this industry that have been working um, both on the state uh, level, state to state, and also on the federal level to try to impose regulations on the industry. And on their website, on unsilenced.org, there's an entire archive that our cyber analyst has compiled that has over 75,000 uh, archives of um, uh, different uh, reports, investigations, news articles, all, all uh, tied to these various facilities. And so there's an archive of over 75,000 of them on wow. uh, their website.
2: Wow. Veronica, thanks so much. And if there's any links you want to drop into the, the group chat, uh, please do so. And uh, But thank you for for telling us about this that's really fascinating and, and spooky so we appreciate it
5: yeah, thank you yeah yeah thank you I'll, I'll, I'll definitely drop those links right now great thank i'll you. follow you thank
2: okay you. kate
6: hi um i just want to call in to say what was that
0: Oh, I
6: just said hi, Kate. How are you? That's it. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was just worried. Um, earlier I couldn't hear very well. Um, like my signal was bad. So if it is, just let me know, and I can leave. But I wanted to say, um, I really, um, obviously, like everyone else, I was deeply traumatized by the fact that this is in the afternoon. But I was able to. I was able to use some of my morning time listening uh, to both of you on the Rising, and I particularly enjoyed the segment Aaron did. Um, with, with you and Robbie, um I thought it was a good sort of succinct like encapsulation of everything that's gone on with with Russia and with the like the peace deal um lots of times we get sort of bogged down in the details, but I thought that was a really good segment, and I appreciated it thanks yeah um, yeah, and then I guess I, yeah, uh, ask,
2: I agree i I did a fantastic job,
6: yeah we both it, it was. <laughs>
0: I think I speak for both of us when
2: I say we did a fantastic
6: job. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yes. we did. Both of you and in that segment, Robbie. Um really yeah. the whole the whole um that was one of the better, I think, just overall like episodes of rising for like a single day. Um, except there was the one guest on Iran, you know, advocating uh that was didn't see I dying
0: with her.
2: Oh, I look yeah. forward to saying that. So Katie, you, you had on a guest who basically wants to uh, use this moment to pursue regime change and to kill the Iran deal, right? Yeah, is,
5: yeah.
2: yeah, yeah,
0: That was interesting.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, that's what's cool about Rising. You know, Rising is one of the few shows where you'll have a guest like that. You know, like regime change in Iran, but also a guest like myself, who 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 represents a perspective that doesn't get heard very much in the uh, U.S. media, which is pro peace, you know, and anti neocon um, and pro facts. Uh, so I appreciate that about rising and for me personally, it's one of the few shows where I can go and actually speak for myself. Like other shows that speak about me will characterize my views in a completely false way. And I won't get the chance to respond, uh, and rising is a show that actually lets me speak. And I really appreciate that opportunity. It's, uh, it's cool. I, I think it makes it unique, uh, because amazingly how many people get, even if they're not neocons, they just get scared into shunning people who are critical of proxy wars or scams like Russiagate. And so, um, it's good. You know, I think rising is doing something important and uh, yeah. has made a great decision by bringing Katie on as a, as a host.
0: Yeah. important to have yeah, all I, the I subjects.
2: I anyway, anyway, sorry, Kate, go ahead.
6: That. Um, I did just want to ask, um, in I I think in some of the Sunday news sh- show clubs, um, we've seen sort of the Biden administration. They're not quite saying what they would do if, um, Putin did use like a tactical nuclear weapon or something in a in Ukraine, um. But I was just wondering what what it was like in the past, um, because I guess I don't really remember the the Cold War, you know, um. But I imagine we had like standing doctrine on like. Under what circumstances we would use? I guess Ukraine's not in NATO, so I assume we wouldn't. I, we wouldn't be treaty bound or anything to um, respond. I guess I'm wondering what sort of response because they don't quite say what they're they're going to do. They sort of imply that like it might even be like nuclear retaliation, but they don't quite say it. So I guess I'm just I'm wondering what would happen. Like I I assume that you know if Russia were or the United States were to attack um nato you know like russia would attack nato countries or vice versa um you know we'd all die in a nuclear apocalypse but um i'm not really sure what would happen if you know a nuke went off in ukraine um and i guess i was curious if you had any insight i I know they're being sort of coy about what they do now but if we knew what they what sort of standing policy used to be
2: That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't know the answer. Um, I, uh, I think what Russia was saying was just reiterating what their doctrine was, which is that if we face an existential threat, uh, we consider the use of nuclear weapons. I don't think, you know, for example, let's say uh, Ukraine attacks an uh, annexed part of what is now Russia. So one of these regions of vote to join Russia. would Russia Or, or use...
6: maybe even Crimea or something.
2: Well, you know, Crimea maybe actually because Crimea it has Russia's most important naval base. So, would Russia consider that an existential threat? Maybe. Um. Um. Maybe they would, you know, uh, but certainly the, the the annexed territories. No, I don't think so. Crimea, maybe. I don't know. I. I um. I. It's. I doubt it. I mean, because, you know, you know, using nuclear weapons also so close to your own territory is, uh, I mean, from your own, if you're like, just, if you don't care about Ukrainians at all, you just care about your own point of view. I mean, it's very well, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Look, I, you know, I'm not an expert on this stuff. And personally, I really doubt it would happen. But I just, I can't believe that we're even making it a possibility. I mean, and, and that's the policy choice right now, is to... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, on everyone's part is to make this a possibility, and that's just nuts.
6: Yeah, I hate that, and and just I also, but I also worry a little bit when it's sort of foggy. Like, you know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, Russia knows that if they, you know, nuked a NATO country, um, we'd respond, and I'm pretty sure we know that if if we like actually attacked within Russia, um, we'd be risking that. But I'm not sure, like that like Crimea or maybe like Luhansk or Donet uh, Don Donetsk. Yeah. Um, I'm not next, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure that, you know, it's as ironed out what's happening. But I did appreciate your point about how even if the US has just been engaging with Russia just to give them those those sort of like bellicose Russia warnings, won't. at least they're talking because mm-hmm. those lines need to be open where we can talk to them and vice versa if there's some like you know, Cuban missile crisis like situation.
2: Exactly. At least they're talking. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing we can take some comfort in right now is that at least the two nuclear powers are speaking to each other, which is better than not. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you for the call. All right,
6: thank
7: you. Bye.
0: The bar is so low for good news.
8: It sure is. Katie Aaron, uh, thank you all for hosting. Yeah. Uh, I want to. Resp- yeah, your first caller was a trendsetter. It is definitely him to whom I would like to respond. And he thought MAGA communism sounded like some kind of psyop. And, like, well, yeah, obviously. You know what a straw man is? It's either the weakest argument that leads to your opponent's desired conclusion or the weakest version of your opponent's argument that you set up and you knock it down and then you flex. So you get the weakest version of the right, which is MAGA. In like the weakest version of the left, which is like full-blown total central planning communism, and you smash them together to produce a weak right-left coalition as a way of getting ahead of it. Because remember, remember the telltale heart? I think it was Poe who wrote something like that, where like this heartbeat beneath the floorboards gave the guy away. The fear gave him away. So what we can learn from that is that if this is a a thing they're doing, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of that we all know that to get past the duopoly, you need third, fourth and fifth parties to sort of coalesce, to get a platform that has broad appeal and harmonize on the nodes of common interest and common belief and issues that we all agree on. The list is long, by the way, those issues. And so that's what it's for. It's to make the idea of that look ridiculous when it's not ridiculous. Whereas something more like a green libertarian platform writes itself. I'm not the first one to say, like, I've already done it. Like, and keep in mind, people like Noam Chomsky, they describe themselves as left libertarian. There's not as much of a contradiction as we've been led to believe. A lot of libertarianism has been <clears throat> propagandized and in- influenced and ideologically infiltrated by neoliberalism so you can barely tell them apart anymore if they come out of the mouths of Americans below the Mason-Dixon line. But that's not necessarily true and there's still a lot of issues you can hit a lot of people on if you have something like a Green Libertarian. So they sigh off Green Libertarian by calling it MAGA communism but it's just like the shittiest parts of both belief systems. The most extreme, ridiculous ones that do look like fascism,
2: if you smash
8: it that way. That's
2: it. Thanks. So you think it is a PSYOP or not?
8: That's what I would do. If I wanted to get ahead yeah. of something like a left libertarianism, I would make right. it look ridiculous. Given I see a, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's not like a, it doesn't take a genius to do that. It's just propaganda 101. Right.
2: Well <laughs> I <laughs> it's interesting. I, I I'm not in the Psyop camp, but I do um yeah, personally the name for me personally, the name MAGA communism doesn't really appeal because I mean I'm not MAGA but I'm also it's, I I it's also a
8: sandwich where both pieces of bread are made out of shit.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I I mean communism to me is uh I you know I I'm not a communist in the sense that like I just haven't done the reading required to come to that kind of like self identity. It's not really stuff I really think about cuz I'm I'm more focused on the news, you know, and 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 policies of today and not really the future society, but uh certainly both have very strong connotations, MAGA and communism. And so yeah, I I see your point that if you're looking for something to like turn people off,
8: it's the authoritarian it's, version of the left with the authoritarian version of the right. I together. Got I got you. And it's well, made, you know, it's like, it's bad. <laughs> but that yeah, doesn't mean I, that a re- right-left synthesis is impossible. They just want to make you believe that. And that's okay. the point. To okay. answer your first caller's question in the affirmative, yes, it does <laughs> feel a little bit like contrived.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you for the call, John. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, up next, we have Sean. Hello. Hi there.
9: Well, I'm calling in because I don't really agree with all these labels that uh, people try to label label
7: people in, like put you in a box. I -hmm. think it
9: confuses confuses people, and it kind of distracts from the real problems we're having day to day as normal Americans. And that's just my two
2: cents.
9: Okay. All right. Thanks, Sean. Paul. Hey, Aaron.
10: Hi there.
9: Okay. So I wanted to, I don't know if you remember, I've called in a couple times. Uh, My location in the world is off in East Africa uh, in Uganda. And so I, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up of, Kind of an interesting story that uh, I picked up on. So, uh, are you familiar with the um, Ugandan musician Bobby Wine? That made he made some press uh, a couple of years back uh, during the time of the Ugandan election. He was uh, tortured uh, by the Ugandan government and wound up escaping to uh, to the U.S. for medical treatment. Um, he, he got a little bit of coverage from, uh, NPR, um, and, uh, New York Times. It's a very curious situation. I'm wondering if, if you've, uh, encountered any of it or similar, similar stories. The, so the U S backs, uh, a dictator, Yari seventy for over 36 years. Um, and he's like our boots on the ground guy, um, for controlling the East and Central Africa. Um, Ugandans you know, get sent to Iraq and Afghanistan to drive fuel trucks for the UN, that sort of thing. Um, so this young musician grows up in this ghetto uh, in Kampala and becomes a very active uh, voice for overthrowing the, uh, the, the dictatorship, but to do so nonviolently. And then, like those of us who have been following this, like you know, he has a really powerful message. You grew up in the Anglican Church, and you know, he's had, he's he's looking like a young Nelson Mandela or something. And then suddenly, he's on social media saying, "I was just I just had a, a phone call with uh, the president of Venezuela, Juan Guaido, and we oh, talked about." <laughs> Um, yeah. So, um, and we discussed uh, the challenges that both of our both of our our countries face. So, for most Ugandans, they believe that Bobby Wine won the presidency, and um, and the election was stolen from him, which is very likely uh, the case. But just recently, Bobby Wine has been uh, touring Ukraine and wearing uh, a you know like a uniform. You know, with the uh, Ukrainian flag and promoting uh, the fight in Ukraine as, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine and, and um, it's, you know, trying to draw parallels for Ugandans that what's happening in Ukraine is parallel to what their struggle for liberation in Uganda. And it's really ironic because people are going hungry in Uganda right now because of the sanctions on, on Ukraine, on, on Russia. And so there's there's this very curious background figure is um his lawyer. I believe um his name is Armstrong, something like that. Um uh I'm I'm kinda of blanking on the name right now, but his his lawyer is somebody somebody who is an a, a avid like um uh, anti Venezuela um uh, voice.
2: Wow. And
9: so I'm watching this uh, sort of as Museveni is aging out, his son is being groomed to take over the country. His son's name is Museveni, and at the same time, the opposition figure is being groomed to be like a Western tool as well. So it's kind of fascinating to watch. It's like, wow, okay, so this CIA is playing base, possibly playing base both sides of this field. And I just wanted to uh, make you both. Uh, aware of the story because, like, Vanity Magazine just covered a Bobby Wine documentary that um, was just released at the Venice uh, Film Festival. Oh wow! So, right, so it, you know, and the, the Clintons were there, um, and uh, and so it's 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 one of these like brewing in the background stories that I know. Like, if you're not if you're not invested in the region, you probably wouldn't see coming. Um, but uh, after after reading the Jakarta method and um, uh, the new confessions of an economic hitman, um, these uh, these machinations have started to look uh, look very familiar. So I, I wanted to make you make you both aware of that. And then I really appreciate your deep coverage of the uh, ru rate, and um, I really appreciate you guys giving voice. Uh, to i forgot the gentleman's name that was
0: uh, that was um,
9: yes so, well you're cutting out ka so but i think it's a connection on my end but uh, i'll i'll leave it at that there's um there is one question I would like to have you guys address at some point which is which is um i i have a i i'm very curious how one goes into what you guys do and why you guys did it. Like, like, why did you become journalists in the way that you've become journalists? Like what drives you, you know, uh, morally as far as your value system, but how somebody who is not a journalist, um, like the, the lady that was just commenting on the, uh, on the um, troubled youth industry, uh, I didn't know anything about that. Uh, Bruce Belden, I think that's, Brace Belden of uh, Truanon, um, he he was he was a victim of of that system,
7: uh-huh. and
9: and he he also went to the same he was in the same institution as uh, Paris Hilton, and so he did a long uh, one of their True Non podcasts. Uh, he did a long two hours on on what that industry did to him personally. Um, so anyway. I've, I, at some point, if you and Aaron can talk about that, like how in your background you developed this desire to be journalists and that like how you did it, because I, I keep having people either tell me two things, either I need to like uh, become uh, an ordained minister or I need to be a journalist. And so like uh, mm. Chris, Chris, Chris Hedges is kind of oh. like the, mo- the mm-hmm. model that I, I'm looking at. So, anyway, I'll, I'll hang up because of the, the connection's weird, um, but thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Paul. Sure. Omali Ishatel is the man's name, by the way, for people listening from the Uhuru. Aaron, what made you become a journalist? Uh-oh, sensitive subject. I think we may have lost Aaron for a second. Yeah, we did. All right. Um, I think he got choked up. I'm just kidding. Okay, Chris.
11: Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh yeah, thanks for having me on. I didn't think I'd get on. I um I usually miss you guys live, so I um saw you guys were here when I was actually working. So, uh, but uh yeah, it's nice to talk to you guys. I I I enjoy both you and and Aaron and I the the work that you do. And I feel like I can trust you guys. Like I um started out with like TYT and that, and then kind of, um, I think I discovered you guys through TYT after I kind of lost my, my trust in those guys. But anyway, I, uh, wasn't, I didn't think I'd get on, but I, I do have some experience. Actually, I, I live in Utah and, um, I used to work. I, I worked for about five years and, uh, it's not, um, it's actually a hospital, but it was for, it was a residential treatment center and, um, but I've heard of these other. There, I was there's like a, I think LDS Church runs one out in the west, uh, west of the valley out here. But, um, but yeah, when I was working there, I knew the the longer kids were there, the worse the worse it got. The kids that could come in and get out quick, uh, it was better. But the longer they were in the facility, like they, um, it, it they always got worse, <laughs> and I yeah, that's why I. The longer I was there, I felt like I was, um, like we were doing more harm than good for the kids, and and I, but um. Anyway, that's all I guess I have to I have to say. But I, I mostly just wanted to say thanks to you guys and uh, appreciate your content.
0: Thanks. All uh,
11: right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to thanks. you later.
0: Great. <laughs> okay, Veronica. Uh no, well oh yeah, there you are. Hi Veronica.
5: Hi, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to call back in because of um other people uh also providing more context about the industry. Um I'm I'm still kind of like waking up and so I'm kinda tired. I didn't really verbalize everything as succinctly as I'd like to, but the industry it all, all It's heavily tied into uh, the Department of Child and Family Services, well, many of these, first of all, the industry receives around uh, roughly $23 billion in public funding annually. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's for profit. There's no federal...
2: Hello. Yeah, I had to. I took out Monica from the queue because I couldn't understand what she was saying. It was lagging too much. So, okay. uh, Monica, try calling back, and we'll see if your connection's better. Okay, Bob. Hi, Bob. Oh, where did Bob go? Uh,
0: Band-
12: Am I here? Yes. Yep. Okay. So I just wanted to say, um. Aaron, I just experienced a weird thing where I was clipping something and the first one went through on Twitter and the second one, this has happened before with other people that um, I've uh, clipped. Uh, The second one is hidden away. I just want to know if you've experienced that as well, where you put out a tweet and then the second tweet that you do, it will not show up on the timeline.
2: Oh, uh... Yeah, I've tried to tweet some before, and it says it can't go through for some reason. But I don't know if that's just a glitch. I mean, I, I've been told that my tweets are hidden and stuff, and I have no way to verify that or not. So I don't know. Do you, do you think know. they
12: would do select ones? Like, they would let this one go and then, like, ration out your tweets or something?
2: I don't know. You know, some people think that. I, I have no.
12: I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I, I yeah. hope you guys have a nice day. You too. Thank you. All right, later.
0: Thanks for the clipping. Everyone follow Phantom Fan on uh on Twitter.
2: Okay, uh red.
13: Unmute. Am I here? Yeah. Yep. Okay. This uh the whole Ukraine Russia conversation I I'm so frustrated and I've spent so many hours listening to lectures and I have background. I've been working on Palestine for like 20 years. So under the UN rules, um, there's two conditions under which a country can is permitted by international law to um, engage, to do what Putin did in his um, special military operation and one is existential threat. And I listened to Mearsheimer, Stephen Cohen, um, Chris Hedges, um, Noam Chomsky, hours and hours and hours. And this is one of the things that they won't defend. They still want to say that Putin did wrong by invading. Yet, he, Russia, it's funny that we call Russia Putin now and we don't call the U.S. Biden, but whatever. Um, that he, that under existential threat, first of all, he's allowed to do something. He's been patient for 30 years, at least 17 years. Since 2005, when under Clinton, was it, we really started breaching. And there's 14 countries in NATO now that were promise, the NATO promise uh, was to not, NATO should have been become obsolete at the time of the fall of the USSR also, because it is, and even on its website today, it calls itself an anti-Russia military organization, or it did last week when I checked. And so to be an anti-Russian military organization and then to take over 14 countries that surround Russia against uh, the promises that were made at the disbanding of Russia. Without that promise, it would never have been agreed to. So that's one thing. So 2005, we took over a bunch of countries. 2014, I mean that that Newland and, uh, what's his name, Blinken, are even in the government, in the leadership position of this, when in 214, it was they with CIA money that went in and, and and created that supposedly what was the Kiev revolution. But even at the time, we who were working on that area, and I know Palestine is a different thing, but um, uh, American propaganda and war-making for profit is not a different thing. So... What am I trying to say? So 2014, Blinken and... and
2: Red, New- Red. And- if I can if I, can yeah. I think what you're yeah, trying yeah. to say is that, is, that, is that you think that uh, Russia's invasion was justified because uh, turning Ukraine into a NATO colony basically was an existential threat to Russia, along with the war in the Donbass that resulted from the 2014 coup. Is that is that what you're getting? It,
13: well, and I want to add Crimea to that too, because Crimea... They also had a referendum and voted, I think it was like 90 percent, you know, to go with yeah. Russia. And they started having the, that problem in 2014 at the at the um, Kiev supposed revolution that wasn't an inside revolution. It was a CIA paid, you know, tried to make look like a revolution. And because that that's when Ukraine was th- was threatening to go with. Threatening is a crazy word, but threatening to go in with NATO. And Crimea said our agreement to be they didn't want to go with Ukraine. They wanted to stay with Russia at the time of the USSR disband. And so when they when Ukraine was threatening to invite NATO into their country, they said, absolutely not. That was their red line, the the Crimeans. So they voted to stay with. So this annexation that we call, you know, like, it sounds like Putin stole, you know, the annexation, but it's not. It's these referendums, these people who are more Russocentric than they are Eurocentric, and you know, I mean, we—I haven't even mentioned the Azov brigades, et cetera, et cetera, and the Poroshenko and sure, the illegal lot, overthrow yeah. of the illegal overthrow of Yanukovych.
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, there, there's a whole lot of uh, things that have happened that um, pose legitimate. Uh, security threats to Russia and to Russian-speaking Ukrainians, which is why there's been a war there for eight years. Right, um, right, you know, right. I, I think uh, you know, like the claim that the CIA was involved in 2014. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, but I don't think there's evidence for yeah, it yet. Yeah. That, oh no, there's of...
13: absolute evidence for it. Okay, the, well, the money. We yeah.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, We don't need to debate. Yeah, i like, no, I can't
13: pull it the, out the of is, my hat right now, but exactly, yeah, I...
2: yeah. The point is that it, the point is that a coup happened, and uh, it's also true that people in Crimea. Uh, wanted to join Russia. Now, the difference but with Crimea, though, and today is that, uh, you know, uh, Russia taking Crimea was bloodless. No one died. Today, though, it's different. Uh, Putin did launch an invasion. Uh, you think it was justified. I think um, he certainly was backed into a corner. I think he was provoked. But I do think... <laughs> yeah, it's this but, unprovoked but think, word. But I think... But I, no, yeah, sure, I, I would never say it was unprovoked. But I do think, you know, to justify something in which you're sending people off to die to kill other people, you have to meet a really, really high burden of evidence. And that's why the UN Charter exists.
13: So I pers- under-
7: Personally, no. I
2: don't think I don't think Putin met it. But look, we don't have to debate it. I do think the background that you bring out is totally overlooked. And that's why we try to discuss it, you know, every week uh, on our shows and try to inform yeah. people, and they can make their own decisions as to whether or not it was justified. And um, I, you know, I, I certainly think all that needs to be discussed. And you know, I'm open to the possibility that, that Russia had no other choice, but personally, as of right so now- So I'm not
13: saying that they um, had no other choice, but what I am okay. saying is if they had been provoked for 31 years and especially yeah. for 17 and especially for eight, if they yeah. were provoked that much, then they were, they were then by that provocation, Permitted to do something, what they chose to do then goes into their jurisdiction. We don't get to have a say in that anymore because we're the ones with the stick poking at the tiger. How he responds is not up to us. We're the ones who provoked this. We brought it on.
0: Whatever okay. the response okay. is, that's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Okay, Red. Thank, Fred,
0: here's our episode from this week with Ben Abelow. I think you'll like it. Did you? Do you hear? Did you listen to Useful Idiots this past week?
13: Um, I may have. You'll like, I will you'll listen. Like,
0: it's a, with a guy who Ben Ablo who wrote a book about how how Ukraine how the West brought war to Ukraine.
13: I may
14: so, have. Well, yeah.
13: Okay. yeah. Thank thanks today. for the call.
2: Thanks for the call. Hey. Ray.
14: Thanks a lot. Okay.
2: Okay. okay. Amanda.
14: Hello. I'm so glad you guys were on today. I just and don't care what time it was. So glad you're glad you're here. Um, I was watching the Zelensky clips, and I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm steeped in the American movie culture of like Die Hard, but everybody knows you don't negotiate with terrorists. Seems to seems to reason. He's saying he's essentially saying I'm not calling him terrorists, but the Russians are terrorists. That seems to indicate to me maybe that he knows he's actually not the one in negotiations with anybody, so it doesn't really matter what he says because nobody's really going to listen to what he says. Is it am, am I am I totally off base thinking that?
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a good. I mean, look. I do think he's a um, a tool, basically, of the U.S. at this point. I don't think, for example, that like he's deciding battlefield plans. I think that's being decided elsewhere. Uh, but um, I do think that Ukraine, ha- someone in Ukraine has been involved in negotiations because there were negotiations between Ukraine and Russia uh, early on in the war. And whether it's Zelensky involved in that or not, there's someone in that chain of command who is. So, But yeah, I think at this point maybe it's not maybe it's really only the US and Russia who have to make the decision and that's why maybe he feels as if whatever he says doesn't really matter but it does matter in influencing public opinion because what he says is given a lot of play in US media
14: for sure i was just trying to imagine biden saying it would be a totally different thing right or even harris
2: absolutely yes i i agree with that
0: So he's like a kid without power who's allowed to say whatever he wants. Is that what you guys are saying? Hello? Can you guys hear me? I
2: I got it working now. I was I I, I was muted without oh, my no. own uh, volition. Okay, uh, Raymond.
0: Is that true, though? Is that Did I summarize what you said? It's like he's a kid who's allowed to... Uh, he's play playing like, in the
2: sandbox, yes. He's playing in the sandbox, but he's not allowed into the uh, uh, main playground.
15: playground. Good yeah. afternoon, Katie and Aaron from Scotland.
0: Hey, how are you?
15: How are you doing today? Good, you? Nah, not too bad. I'm just uh, phoning up, uh, wondering what you think about the, the rise of the political right in Italy. It looks as if the, the Brothers of Italy political party is going to, going to win the general election there. It's just they seem to have a, a lot of uh, Putin apologists in their party, like Berlusconi and whatever, you know. So um, I've got a feeling that Italy might be causing problems within the, the Western narrative against Russia. I wonder if you've got any thoughts on it.
2: So the Italian election... Uh, what's the connection to Russia? Sorry, I, I missed that.
15: Uh, well, there's a lot of Putin, uh, uh, a lot of people that uh, uh, go against the narrative. Um, they're saying that they, they, they want to take the sanctions off of Russia.
2: Winner. The winner of this election, I'm pretty sure, is very pro-NATO. It's Yeah. That's what I, well, I mean, I don't know very much about, but, but that's what I heard. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. If if that were the case, I know that there was like someone else in their party uh, who was more skeptical of NATO, but I think Mm -hmm. they got replaced or something. And now so I don't know, but I haven't followed it. I mean, I and all I've heard is that their party is incredibly far right. Which Yeah.
15: um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're a far right party that was just created after the second uh, after the end of the Second World War. Yeah, It's just that a lot of them are against the EU. Italy was one of the, the founding members of the EU, and I think they're making monetary demands against the EU to, to give them loans or whatever to, to help their economy out because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, they're trying to hold the EU to ransom, saying, well, we might do an Italian a, a exit, sort of a Brexit for Italy, you know? As this might be on the cards as well. Wow. Wow. uh Well,
2: um We'll have to look into it. I,
15: I <laughs> and and just, just as a smaller side, um, I don't know if you've seen um, um, Edward Snowden get made a, a, a Russian citizen earlier on today by Putin. No, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, he just, I'm, I'm just wondering if he's going to get called up as if one of the 300,000 reservists.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> because- somehow doubt that.
15: I doubt, I doubt that as well, um, because I, I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you know the Dmitry Peskov, the, the, Russian, the Russian president's uh, press secretary. His, his son got get, get telephoned by a couple of telephone pranksters and told him to report to, the, to the, the military office in the morning. And he says, I'm not going. He says, I will talk to someone at a higher level to make sure that I do not go. So I think... I That's think, funny. That's pretty the, funny. The, the things for the privileged people, it's, it's happening in Russia as well. So, But it was a couple of telephone pranksters that done that. But he's doing a great job. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thank for
2: calling. Thank you. Bye now. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, Chuck. Ah, it's our friend Chuck. Hi, Chuck. How are you doing?
0: Chuck.
2: And Chuck, if you're there, there's a, a mute button. It should be in the bottom left of your screen, I think, uh, depending on which app version of the app you're using. But if you see it there, there's a mute button to press. Um, and if not, we can come back to you. Unmute? Is uh, that... There you go. Yes. Hi, Okay, John. sorry about
7: that.
16: No
2: worries.
7: Because the button said uh, unmute. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I just want to say that, I, uh, Bernadette and I hope we'll see both of you on the 8th in D.C. But that's not the reason that I called. I called again because I I, I get irked every time I hear this MAGA communism thing. I mean, as someone who's been part of the working class and worked uh, uh, organizing uh, working class people within unions and out of unions for 40 years, just hearing this expression, I, I, I have to give credit. I mean, the expression goes all the way back to August of 2022. But the thing is, it, it, it just drives me crazy because it really is insulting to uh, working-class people across the board. Mm. I don't even know what MAGA means. Does it mean that someone who voted for Trump, because I would say that you know maybe 20% of the people who voted for Trump are followers of Trump, and the other people were just you know felt ripped off and hadn't been represented by what went before, so they you know, uh, 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 went the other way. And there are people within the m- movement trying to organize workers. You know, some of them are communists, some of them are socialists, some of them anarchists, some of them are Democrats, whatever it is, working class people have to come together and work together around the issues that impact all of them and individually, each of them, so they can come together and and, and fight for your know, decent you know, working conditions and, and and pay and respect on the job and to have someone come along uh Jackson Eagle I don't I don't know if he's working you know as some kind of a uh operation to this or just for his own ego it's so damaging and insulting to working people to to raise this MAGA communism whatever that means that it just you know irked me and I had to call forward and just say that we really need to draw people together come together I mean, I found a lot of people over my years of organizing who talk a great game about the working class, but don't particularly like working class people. You know? That's not who they want to hang out with, where well, they have a tendency to... to to just you know, figure that these people are very you know simple, or they can be uh, figured out, or whatever. And and that's not the case. I mean, there are a lot of people who voted for Biden who are beginning to see Biden now the way these working class people uh, saw him when they didn't vote for Biden, and maybe voted for Trump or whatever. So I just wanted to express the, that we have to come together. We have to have to work to the best interests of people against, you know, the, the, the people who, who are oppressing us and the, 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 trite, ridiculous, you know, MAGA communism. I mean, the, the both aspects of it to me are, are insulting when dealing with working people. And I just want to thank you for letting me express myself so to maintain my sanity. Uh, Chuck, thank you for calling
2: in and thank you for all the work you do. Chuck has organized uh weekly protests for years now in defense of Julian Assange and has been um, just integral in keeping Julian Assange's name on everyone's mind. So thank you, Chuck, for all you do. and uh, Thanks for calling us. Thank you. Okay. Um, Jenny, and we are going to wrap up soon, so we'll take as many calls as we can. So Jenny, go ahead.
10: Thanks for taking my call. I was wondering if you two have heard about the case that's bubbling up right now in Utah, Around a prosecutor. There's a journalist named um, Adam Herbitz, who's been kind of the main person covering this case, but it has deep ties to Ukraine. Have any of you guys heard about this prosecutor? His name's uh, David Levitt? No. Apparently, he was best friends with Boroshenko over in Ukraine. He took his family and went to live in Ukraine for years. And right after the 2014 revolution, whatever you want to call it, coup. Uh, proxy war, you know, establishment takeover of Ukraine. He was right in there in the middle of it, and then brought his family back to Utah and ran for federal pro or I think state prosecutor, and has served. And then in this most recent election, he lost the election, and so he's kind of out on his ear in terms of the people of Utah. They've had enough of him. But one of the things that was most interesting about this story is that when the Ukraine war broke out, he hustled over to Kiev where he had an apartment. And he said he had to clean up a few loose ends, kind of in a panic, and then came back. And so people are asking, what was he doing in Ukraine? Anyway, it's a it's a mess of a story. And I dropped a link in the chat if anybody wants to do more exploring. But it's his ties to Ukraine that, to me, are the most interesting aspect of the story.
2: That sounds really interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard of it, so I'll definitely check it out. So thank you.
10: All right. Thanks.
2: Okay. Boby,
0: the very pensive Bobby
17: Hey, can you guys hear me?
0: Yeah.
17: yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Um. Uh, first one is uh, tongue and cheek. I'm gonna try to make it fast. Uh, so, do you believe that either? Uh, do you believe that we're ruled? And I mean, managing uh, elites, right? Not just politicians. Uh, east, West, South, North, globally, are we ruled by just people who are motivated with greed? Um I don't know like sex and like ideology, or are we dealing more with this group of people who are more on the side
2: of being sociopaths perhaps well, why not both you know why yeah. why either or you know yeah I why, would, can, I, why can't I, they be why can't they be greedy sociopaths i hear it i hear it.
0: twenty twenty two people don't have to choose
17: <laughs> <laughs> good all right that answers my question from of you um second question is about the hypocrisy uh, when it comes to EU and U.S. foreign policy involving, uh, in particular, Bosnia in the 90s and Ukraine now, because uh, the policy is polar opposite. Uh, and also, in, on, uh, in the case of EU, uh, wh- wh- one of the reasons they did not allow Bosnia for a long time to join is because there's a rule within EU to not allow countries which had civil war or war in their territory within the last 20 years. So I was like quite taken aback when there was talk of just like, let's accept you know a country that has a war on its territory in there. So have you
2: guys um, sort of um, addressed that at any point? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a good point, but I don't think actually, I don't think the EU is going to accept Ukraine anytime soon, especially now. Um, they talk about it and they float it, but I think the main reason it's been floated is to kind of, Provoke Russia and basically re- like refuse to negotiate with Russia and thereby keep the conflict going. I don't think, actually, though, in the short term, they have any serious intention to follow through.
17: Gotcha. So it's fight fight the Russians until the last Ukrainian. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, love what you do. Keep up the good work. And um, thank you.
0: Thanks. Let's go to no, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. Please unmute yourself by hitting the mic icon at the bottom right of your screen.
2: They're saying no thanks to unmuting, I guess. Yeah, so, I all right. Um. Can you hear me now? Uh, there we go. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
16: Okay. You can hear me? Yes. This is, sorry. This is reacting very slowly. Uh, okay. No so I I just had a question. Maybe you've addressed this, and I apologize if you have, but I was curious. Uh, so in the media, uh, with the referendums in Ukraine right now, uh, the, they keep calling it a uh, like a sham referendum. What's your opinion on that? Or do you have an opinion?
2: Uh, I have an opinion. Um, Look, I... See, I've never been to Ukraine. I've never been to Russia. But I do feel confident in saying that in the regions where they're holding votes, there is a sizable number of people. I don't know if it's a majority or not, but there are a lot of people who do want to join Russia, who identify with Russia, who felt under assault the last eight years of war, uh, uh, living under a coup government that basically tried to... Uh, suppress Russian identity inside of Ukraine, um, and has taken steps toward toward that. So, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, there's at least you know a base of popular support, if not majority support, for joining Russia. But now, still, you, th- th- these votes are still being held very quickly. They're being held under military occupation, uh, so it's not the ideal uh, condition to say to say the least. Now, and I do think it's a little different than Crimea, where. Uh, that wasn 't in the midst of an outright you know invasion like we 're seeing today, uh, and that was actually blood, like, it was bloodless like nobody died back in two thousand and fourteen and I think um, ideally you know people have the right to self determination so there 's a conflict between that right and also respect for sovereign borders and Russia has violated ukraine 's sovereign borders here so i don 't call these votes a sham because I do think actually that there is an expression of popular sentiment here. But the, the critique that I think is fair is that these votes are being held under the, in the context of an illegal invasion. So I, I guess I would say I'm somewhere in between when it comes to the criticism of these uh, votes. But I'm not going to deny that they reflect that, you know, that there are people there who do want to join Russia and, and a lot of people there. Especially after all they've been living through for eight years, just as in Syria, you right. know like we're supposed to believe we're supposed to believe that in Syria there's no support for the government, and it's just not true. I mean I went there, I saw it myself. It doesn't mean everybody supports the government, but it's just um anybody who any any civilians who are inconvenient to our own geopolitical goals, we're supposed to just ignore them and i I won't do that
16: okay, so crimea then you 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 believe that that was uh you think that was like a fair.
2: Well, I don't know if it was, see, like, no, like, legally, it wasn't, like, 100% legit. There were some shortcuts taken. But I do think, as an expression of the people living there, absolutely, I think that the vast majority did want to join Russia. I mean, they've been trying to do that for a long time. This wasn't the first time Crimea tried to do that. Um, Before, Russia actually didn't recognize their efforts to join Russia, but this time they did. And I, I, so, I do think that, although it was done... um, It wasn't done totally by the book. I do think that it was an expression of popular will. Yes.
16: Okay. All right. Great. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that.
2: Thanks. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, We are out of time.
0: Fresh out of time. But this was great, guys. We'll be back regular time next week. Yes, we
2: will. So so next week we're back here at a normal time and same with Monday morning?
0: Yep. Okay. Monday morning, 11 a.m., call in. And also um, make sure you subscribe to us on Substack. That's com. Also subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash useful Idiots.
2: Awesome. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye, everyone.